in. Like, hit me up. Invite me. This is the other thing, too. Like, I'm I'm open. We right. want to have a conversation. Like, let's get different, diverse perspectives in. We shouldn't be afraid of doing that. Um, and we should be willing to open things up and, and have those conversations. So if there's somebody who's listening that's like, I vehemently disagree with you guys. I mean, they probably won't at this point since it's like the end of the episode. <laughs> right. If, you if you're far, still here. <laughs> you're, you're, like, on board. Uh and so, yeah, like, that's what I think maybe we should do. Maybe, and maybe we're the catalyst for like trying to get some of the other people in the, into that conversation that are a bit different because of, you and I are very similar. Um, yeah. So um, I think that would help for sure. Boom. Do you know what I might do? I might drop this at the beginning of the podcast. Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Ethan, it's great to connect. I always love talking to you. You are uh, thoughtful insightful and a uh, brother in the Lord. So, Hey, oh, um, I wanted to chat briefly. There's an idea I've actually been thinking about off and on for a while in the midst of 2020 and all that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a, a, an interaction that kind of brought, brought it back to mind recently. And that's like just the, the tension between, uh, being Berean-like and doing your own research and looking into things and also just like staying sane. We can't be experts on everything. At some level, mm-hmm. you have to just kind of trust people and move on with life and not like, I don't know, like, uh, so it's like a huge can of worms in some ways, but maybe like I have some thoughts I want to dive into, but off the cuff, kind of like, have you thought about that much? And like, what's maybe at a high level, some of what you've considered? Yeah, um, man, so much here. Um, one thing I think that's helpful when talking about this or or I feel like it's, I bump up into it when this topic comes up, it's that oftentimes our knee-jerk reaction is to go to the polar extremes and mm. try to, if you, so I'm trying to think how to describe this. If, if you somebody falls on one side more than you, then your natural reaction, and I think it's a healthy reaction is to then push the hypothesis of the most extreme, right? Uh, and then you just, that's where you start. And then all the conversation just gets super weird from that, which is like, <laughs> okay, well, if you don't trust doctors, what are you going to do when you have a heart attack? And be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm going to call 911. I'm going to get help. Like, that's so far extreme from what I'm talking about, having a skepticism towards one particular thing, right? Um, right. And so, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't think... Anyone in their right mind, my my perspective is that <laughs> you could live in polar ends. There, there's not a situation in a world where you don't trust any expert and there's no expertise in anything. And then inversely, there's no there's no world where you only trust experts and you can't question them and you can't have an informed opinion on any topic, even if you're a layman in, in anything. Um, and so I think when we talk about uh, before we talk about that tension right where it's trusting experts and it's um anything falls within that tension so in the tension it's autonomy self-governing becoming educated yourself and then having access to infinite infinite information through libraries and medical journals and google and dr go or like (laughs) so i don't know i i guess I want to try to bring it back to that middle range, right? It's not helpful. And I don't think most people live in the far extremes of only trust experts and never trust experts. I think those mm-hmm. are really super fringe um, and it's untenable to live in those polars. So it, w- I think we have to find out how to live in the space somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. I don't know if that. No, that definitely makes sense. And I, I may have actually referenced this in our last conversation that was on the podcast here that notion of attention to manage problems to solve versus tensions to manage. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, it, it's, it is tempting to just be like, well, which is it? Do you right. trust people? Do you not? And mm-hmm. it's tempting because if you just land on one, well, mm-hmm. firstly, it's horrible, <laughs> but, right. Right. but there is a simplicity and an easiness. Uh, mm-hmm. and I do think that's one of the concerns, right? Like, um, I, and I suspect you and many others, looking out in the current moment, there is a little bit of a, um, uh, I don't think this is quite the case, but I have a concern that there are a lot of people who fairly thoughtlessly 
Well, I think it is the case to an extent. What I'm trying to say is there are many exceptions, but many, too many, are, are thoughtlessly just kind of like, well, you know, that's what the news media said. Like, that's what the person on TV said. That's what uh, Dr. Fauci said. And you just kind of like thoughtlessly go with it. And mm -hmm. that that makes me cringe. And mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm kind of like, uh, I understand. I'm like, I realize that uh, we're wired differently. So, so. Maybe here's part of it is recognizing different gifts. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know that you're familiar with Enneagram and just recognizing yeah. almost different personalities. And I think it's easy when you're the, the personalities like, we got to look into this to, mm -hmm. to castigate those who aren't as eager to look into it as like you're, you're lazy or, or, you know, lemmings or whatever. And I'm like, I do think there's a call. Well, mm -hmm. I, I like bringing things like super biblical. So when I think about this conversation, I think about Acts 17 and the Bereans a lot. So Paul preaches in Thessalonica. He ends up being like driven out of the city. He goes to Berea. He's preaching. And it says they were more noble-minded or fair-minded than, than those at Thessalonica. And mm -hmm. as Paul preached, they didn't just say yes. They searched the scriptures to see if what he was saying mm -hmm. was true. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is praiseworthy that that's commended there by Luke in Acts chapter 17. Um, but also even in that, I mean, imagine there's like, I don't know, a hundred people at Berea who were responding to the gospel. Probably a few of them were movers and shakers within that hundred people. And they were mm. the ones who were doing a lot of the, the research and the digging and kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. This is, this is what the prophet Isaiah foretold. This is, this is Psalm, I don't know, 22, like, you know, this, he's pierced. And like, so, hmm, what am I trying to say here? I think even recognizing not only is it attention, but mm -hmm. different people, um, their ideal place in the tension might actually be slightly different. Like, I don't know if it's the same, the identical answer for everybody all the time, if that makes oh, sense. Wow. And that makes it like um, so much more yeah. complicated. <laughs> it does. It does. And, and I think um, I, I have to be honest and self-aware and acknowledge that I fall more on the side of skepticism and uh, wanting transparency because I know that there are abuses of power and uh, intentional and accidental. Uh, so I, I just generally... I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's a history of learning. I don't know if it's because I'm an engineer as well. And one of the fundamentals of like engineering 101 is like assume uh, that malicious intent. Like right. that's I, I build forms on websites assuming that somebody's going to try and fill it out without filling in info, whether they mean to or not, or they fill in misinformation or a bad email. Right, you better like, sanitize that input. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's exactly it. And so I operate in a world where I anticipate both people of good intent and bad intent trying to maliciously do something in in the things that I build. And so that's part of my job is mm -hmm. to anticipate that. And so I don't know if that's an aspect to it, but I would agree. I, I, I'm getting off topic here, but I think that's what you're good. saying is we're, we're, we're on different sides. And I think of it as, as the tension, but it's also the iron sharpening iron, right? Mm -hmm. And we need both people at the table. I don't want to live in a world that's just run by a bunch of skeptics that doesn't don't listen to anyone. There's no authority and it's witch trials. And like, but on the other hand, I don't want to go to the other side where it, it's not. So we have to have this kind of like table where both sides are welcome and there's ironing, sharpening iron. Yeah. And, and that also goes to this deeper desire, which is I want to know that the other people at the table, that the table have some degree of charity towards mm. me as mm. well in that respect and that's my design i want to find those people they're like i disagree with you and i'm on this side but i don't for a second question that you like that you don't care or you're not loving or you're not intelligent and you don't there's you don't have past experiences and, and expertise that you're bringing to this table that i'm not um yeah. so as we as we discuss this this is mm, i feel like part of what's you know, when people talk about American exceptionalism, that has been in 
entirely misinterpreted like a straw man's been shot down in the past few years i don't know if you saw there was like a new york times video a year and a half ago on the fourth of july they they, they tweeted this video is just pathetic about like is america really great and they like talked about mm-hmm. fourth grade math scores and I don't, like just things like that and i'm like when we talk about american exceptionalism we're not trying to say we have the best fourth grade math scores <laughs> right like, right I, I think what we're saying is in human history, part of what's special about America is we have a thinking populace. We have a populace like that. That is part of what was really not every American at the end of the 18th century was, you know, Payne or Jefferson or or Adams or whomever. Uh, But there were tons of Paines and Jeffersons Mm -hmm. and Adamses and the. There, there was this sense that like America is a country of free people who are thinking mm-hmm. and are considering and are taking action. And that's part of what really makes America great. And so uh, I think there is a place to to rightfully like champion and stir that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do in myself feel like uh, I, I'm I'm often on this like razor's edge of like, I could get caught up in every, uh, the, the term is somewhat pejorative at times, so I'm careful, but every conspiracy theory, because I think there might yeah. be some that are true, <laughs> but like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I remember when uh, 9-11 happened, did you ever mm-hmm. kind of look into the truther stuff? Uh, not at the time. Okay. No, I was actually so, pretty insulated from that. Yeah. I'm like a, <laughs> so I've been, <laughs> I've been crazy for a long time. <laughs> and by crazy, <laughs> I mean like a skeptic. <laughs> right. So uh, when 9-11 happened, I remember, you know, in the immediate aftermath, I didn't really think too much. But mm. as I started seeing some like, just stuff that you're like, wait, did we know about that? And, and there really has been mm. some sadly it seems like our intelligence agencies intelligence agencies if they had been cooperating a bit more probably mm-hmm. would have seen this coming um mm-hmm. there was basically competition between the agencies and they all wanted to be the first to solve something so they didn't actually really share what they had eh, anywho say la vie that that actually is both sad and it also comforts the uh, potential conspiracy theorist. Our government agencies are not that on top of a lot of things. Um, the yeah. but so the nine eleven truther movement was this idea that not only did could we have seen it coming, but it actually wasn't jihadi like action by these these Saudi Arabians and I feel like there are a couple of members from other countries, but most for, mostly from Saudi Arabia and. Uh, but but it was actually an inside job, and like the U.S. government mm-hmm. took down these buildings, and they planted explosives down the the beams in the center of the World Trade Centers, and that the uh, Pentagon got hit by a Tomahawk missile, not by a plane. So so, mm-hmm. so it was this, and I, I watched some of that stuff, and it wasn't well. Firstly, it's kind of like what really like mm-hmm. is this really possible? And and you begin asking these questions, and hey, questions are good as long as you're really looking for truth. And right. I was looking for truth. And so pretty quickly, I was like, uh, there are a number of coincidences that were alarming. But when you step back, you're like, I, I don't think this would have been such a scale. You would have to have like hundreds or even thousands of people in on it without a crack. Mm-hmm. It it was just too hard to believe. And mm-hmm. not only is it too hard to believe, one of the questions I asked myself was, what can I do about it anyways? Like mm. there, there's a, I don't know if that makes any sense. So, so let me bring it to the present day rather than talking about 9-11 election fraud. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I, there are definitely attack vectors to commit election fraud. Um, yeah. I have, I am aware of a, an illegitimate vote being cast in New York state. Uh, mm-hmm. one, <laughs> I'm aware of mm-hmm. one and like, it can happen doing it at scale would be very difficult in New York state. I help, I'm actually an election poll site inspector, mm-hmm. inspection coordinator. It would be very difficult in New York. I'm not as aware of other States. Uh, ha- have you followed some of the cases in like Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania? Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I'm trying, right? And I think that this is the 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 difficult part. Um, in order to enter into any of these topics, you have to be comfortable living in in the situation of dealing with ambiguity and mm. not. I don't know. I guess how to describe this. Like I, I see it as a spectrum of being very committed to an idea, being neutral to an idea, and then believing it's false, right? And we, we like to think that we're on this like one side or the other. I'm super, I know this happened. I know this didn't happen. And um, and so then somewhere in the middle, people don't like that comfortable space where I'm like, yeah, no, it totally could have happened and it could have not. And I'm not going to like, you know, make a stake in, in either of those perspectives. And if right. evidence comes out to the contrary, uh, it will push me back over to the other side. But I'm still going to know that there's a lot of questionable stuff. And, and it sounds like that's kind of like with the 9-11 thing that you were talking about. You're like, you, you, you're you not on the side of like, oh, no, this for sure did or didn't happen. Because you, there's a lot of weird evidence out there that is calling into question at least the simplified answers of yes and no. And right. so um, to your point, like, yes, uh, election fraud happens every year. The question is to what scale? Um, and I've seen a lot of evidence out there overwhelmingly that calls into question a lot of this. And, and then it goes into, well, how do we prove it? How do we go through and map all this out? Whether it means you have more votes than you have registered voters, that should send up an alarm. Like this shouldn't be possible when you right. have just the fact you could just look and then run a list of people who have died in the past year and say, hey, we should just subtract these from the vote count, right? But but the challenge is we can't. And part of the reason is votes become anonymized once they go in, which is what we want. We want, I want my vote to go into the system and then no one to know who I voted for. So they can't come after me and say, oh, you voted for this person or that per person and receive any kind of prejudicial um, you know, uh, response to that, right? That's a private decision. And no one should have access to my specific vote beyond me. And so there is a degree of this. Once you put your vote in the box, it gets mixed in with all the other votes. So we don't know whose vote they voted for. Those dead people could have voted for Trump, for all we know. Um, right. You know, and so it gets really, really, really confusing. Um, but there's so much circumstantial evidence to for sure call into light and like question this entire thing. It's to me, I've seen so much evidence on there to be like, we absolutely need to look into this. And if we never look into it, this will be more damaging to our nation than in, even if it was election fraud. Because if there's election fraud and we're like, oh, they, they did it. We're on top of it. We know how they did it. Boom. We shut it down from ever happening again, regardless of who gets elected in the future elections. That's right. fine. But to live in a state where we don't look at it at all and we're just like it and you pick the side of like, it didn't happen. You're like, well, hang on. We know that it always happens. The question is right. how much. And the fact that no one's curious about that, or not no one, but certain sides don't want to yeah. investigate and look into it. Ooh, that's scary. That's yeah. that's kind of you know. No, no, yeah, and and what you just identified there is significant, and it's it's that you know a problem is a problem. Obviously, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. It's tautological. But when the people in when responsible parties ignore a problem all of a sudden you have a, a re leadership problem, right? Mm -hmm. I heard Craig Grishel put it that way. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, if you're leading a team and somebody on the team's not doing their job right, that's a problem. But if you know about it and don't do anything, it's a leadership problem. It's the same mm -hmm. way. You know, I'm sure there are, I'm, I'm sure every election, there's some instances of voter fraud. Uh, mm -hmm. But when there's, when there's voter fraud and the people who are overseeing the election don't seem to care, that's not just like a voter fraud problem. That's a system problem. And, and that is alarming. And all of a sudden you can't trust the system. Um, but bringing this back to, to trust, okay. one of the things I remember, you know, the, the first week after the election, so this is going back, wow, it's, it's actually been a while, early November, a month and a yeah. half plus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the first week after the election, I realized very quickly, it's like there, there's a lot of, I saw a lot of allegations Mm -hmm. A lot of them, I was like, eh, there might be something here. But right, I had right. kind of like two basic responses personally, pretty quickly. Um, because I just didn't have time. And I don't think I had the ability to really mm -hmm. become an expert on all these various states' election laws, their histories, their processes, their, their the mechanics, the machines they use, et, et cetera. I was like, I don't have, I think even if I had the time, 
it, what I realized quickly was my trust in this situation is that there are going to be men and women pursuing the truth in Georgia in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Nevada. And the truth is you don't need tons. You just need like a few dozen competent people in these states. And I hope, I mean, if there aren't a few dozen competent people in Georgia, uh, well, well, like, what are we going to do then? Like, uh, it's it's beyond hope. Uh, but my trust is that there are a few mm. dozen competent people. And actually, I happen to know uh, someone whose son was involved actually very actively in, in politics and, and campaigning in Georgia this past year. I know he's he and, and people like him are are actively working to make sure it's it's a honest and fair election. And I'm like, he's actually in Georgia. He's Georgian. He knows the process. He's there. He's able to talk to people. I'm just gonna leave it to people like that. And if they can come up with like not just some alarming allegations, but real mm -hmm. solid evidence that's admissible in court, I'll support him. But until that happens, I'm like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on New York, and I, I'm yeah. aware of the New York process. I actually participate. Like mm -hmm. I said, um, November fourth, I was in a polling station from five a.m. till nine thirty p.m., and it was a good process. There were no fraudulent votes at my polling place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No. Exactly. Uh, you and, know, but I, like, there's that kind of sense of like I'm gonna trust that there's somebody there because yeah. I can't be there. I don't have the ability to, to jump in. And I just, I know some people that kind of, I feel like they've gotten worked into a tizzy the past month and a half. Mm. I'm like, you're getting worked into a tizzy over allegations that you don't have the capacity to actually investigate. Just let go. Trust that somebody is. I don't know. Yeah. I think that tension is naturally there. And I think, first of all, I think you have to ask the question of what's healthy for you, right? Mm. And yeah. what can you do and emotionally invest and think through and champion and all, all of that. That's a very personal one. And I think we, I just like side tangent here. I think we get wrapped up in this idea that if you aren't actively involved in this, in this mechanism or to the degree that I'm doing it, you don't care. And I see that with mm. every single social justice movement. And if you don't do it this way, you must not just not care, but you are the enemy and you're complicit in this thing. Because if you cared at all, you would be doing it like I'm doing it. So I, I want to first just like take a step and acknowledge that we are all called to do very different things. And it's it's a trap for us to fall into the, the place of judging one another. Mm -hmm. being like you need to do it this way. And if you don't, you, you don't care. So I, like, I think what you're saying is you trying to be cognizant of your own limitation there. And that's super yeah. healthy. Everyone needs to do that. And I think we should give each other the benefit of the doubt that everyone is kind of doing that. And you're focusing on other things too. Don't lose your train of thought, but I want to kind of okay. re reinforce this. Yeah, over the years, I've seen that where, well, it, it's part of the classic, the, the Lord might speak to you and said like, kind of mm -hmm. like, hey, you need to get involved in uh, a food pantry project. And all of a sudden you feel like anyone who's not involved 20 hours a week in food pantries and sin or hey right, you, you should right. support this ministry in uganda and you feel like anybody mm -hmm. who's not supporting this ministry in uganda is in sin or you should you Absolutely. know help with uh sex trafficking and you feel like yep. anybody who's not involved is in sin and it's like you know people are god's calling people lots of different ways and maybe somebody's being called to go become an expert on the voting process and be the person kind of at the front of uh poll watching and like kind of being a, a state uh, you know, keeping an eye on the state and like somebody might be called to that, but not everybody necessarily. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like that could be its whole own podcast deep dive. And that's that, good stuff. Uh, uh, so yeah, I would love to talk about that at some point, you know, in the, in the future. Um, and now I've already lost my train of thought. What were we oh, talking I'm sorry. about? <laughs> no, it's, it was my fault. I knew I was going to rabbit trail. Cause I think that's a, it's such an important thing. I didn't like, that's worth saying regardless of the topic. Cause I think it's, it's a huge problem. Um, yeah, we were talking about just the, yeah, you see this stuff going on and, and I'm like, yeah. I, I'm not the person to get involved in this right now. I'm going to wait till somebody who is, has some evidence. Yeah. So I think part of it is, um, social media gives us this really amazing thing where we can, um, add noise to the squeaky wheel, right? Squeaky wheel gets the, gets the grease. Uh, yeah. and so when something happens, 
there is the option or the possibility for social media to create this, what I wish was neutral, groundswelling of content of, hey, here's here's this thing that could be happening. We surface it, we bring it to light. It's clearly important to all of America because it's in, you know people are talking about it. Uh, let's address it. And I think there are really healthy ways that that was done during the election, right? You have, I think there's a couple instances where I remember people um, were like filling out ballots, right? And this video surfaced and it floated around. And I, like, I think there was enough evidence that came out after that. It was like, hey, that person is taking a bad ballot and they're correcting it and making a copy. And that's actually mm-hmm. the natural process of we, 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 we think that they wanted to fill in the circle, but it wasn't done quite right. So let's go ahead and we're going to audit that and then just make sure that the right ballot gets copied, right? And so, so somebody filling out a ballot is not necessarily. So we saw a video that was questionable. It floats to the top. And then, you know, we have this, we have a discussion about it. Like that's literally what we're supposed to do, right? right. Um, and so I, I think that kind of helps filter some of those things out. But then there's some massive questions that don't have answers and are not simply answered up front. And we, we as a nation really, really, really want answers to those and deserve answers to those um, all the way down to like Dominion, uh, Dominion voting machines, Cytel, uh, votes being sent out of our country to be tallied in in Spain and Germany, um, you know, uh, wireless access networks within, you know, access points. Like there's some crazy, crazy stuff, um, even down to. I'm watching on news, you know, you see the little ticker, right? And they show the votes for Trump and they show the votes for Biden. And then the next time it circles around, Trump's votes go down in that state and Biden's go up by the exact amount, same amount. I've seen three versions of this in three different news networks. So three instances where this is happening. And the engineer in me goes, well, if I make an API request and I request the data, and it comes back. And then somebody changes that data in between my requests for information. That's exactly how I would track it as an engineer. That would be if, if it was this way, I sent, and then it, it changed. Somebody did something to the data in between those two requests that yeah. modified it. That, that doesn't. It should have been immutable, but it's been changed. Correct. Yes, yeah. exactly. And not just change, but like decreased. And I could, I could spend a whole time like mapping out why that's not just possible, but that's what I would expect. Right. That is a natural side effect of changing and manipulating data in in a source of information. So massive red flags. Some people should look into that. But at the same time, I I get frustrated because we have some crazy, crazy stuff that has happened specifically over the last couple of years. I mean, let's talk about um, most recently we work back in time. We got like Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah. Okay. Like there's there's. The news literally said that that was fake Russian disinformation prior to the election. Then after the election, they're like, oh, no, it's actually his laptop. We're not going to do anything about it. Okay, well, then we go back in time. Hillary had her emails. You know, um, we've got allegations of, 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 of Trump, you know, to be fair, like, you know, um, uh, paying out a porn star, right? Like some, cra- yep. some crazy things that we like want to bring to light. Um Anthony Weiner's laptop. I mean, we've got some like, there's some stuff out Wiener's there. Weiner's laptop. Oh, with the emails. Yes, with the yeah, emails yeah. and uh, and so it was just there's just a lot of stuff that we don't get conclusions to. And so I hear this like, well, let's trust the experts to get to the conclusion. This, but unfortunately, some of these things are such long processes, and there's there's evil in the world. Like I. Yep. Uh, like one of the best examples I have, if you go back and you look at big tobacco, right? I think it's just, it's, that's insane to me, right? It was, we look, that was crazy. It's, you have an industry that not only did they know that their product was carcinogenic and, and damaging, they actively created fake science to hide it. They bought off politicians. I think at one point I was watching this documentary and uh, the number might be off a little bit, but I want to say it was like, the UK or something, the the government received one third of their revenue from the tobacco industry in the, around the world of like world war two, because they were sending cigarettes out to every soldier. Like it was insane. Part of the rations. That is craziness. Yes. Yes. And so, and and that was like a legit, that that was a, 
And, and by the word, a conspiracy is a legal term. It just means like a, a plan, a coordinated plan yeah. between people. Conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to rob a bank. This was a conspiracy that was carried out effectively in wide scale. Big tobacco. Yeah. For decades, right? And you have all the, the board members of CEOs of big tobacco sitting there being like, it doesn't cause cancer. Yeah. Next person, and they had shoddy cancer. science. Yeah, all, like, yeah. Research. I mean, that all was the way manipulating the science like on the testing from filters to show they would like actually make it so that when the machine breathed it in to check the the levels of things that it would operate differently than if the person did it and so just i mean it, it's just it is bonkers and then on yeah. top of that to, to think that the any government with that much revenue coming in is going to be impartial and be like ah you raise a good point but what you're also saying is you want to cut our revenue in down by a third you know of what we run our, our government that's it's treasonous, you know, that's right. It's so hard to be impartial in that stance. So you're, you're fighting an uphill battle and that's true um, with everything uh, that has ever happened. You look at Johnson and Johnson with their baby powder, you look at uh, Teflon, right? Which is Wait, what happened with baby powder. I'm not aware of this. Oh yeah. So Johnson and Johnson, um, their talcum powder, it was, they discovered very early on that, um, I think it was like 20 years ago that they started seeing evidence that it could be carcinogenic uh, for women um, and because you're spraying this powder on your body and it's getting into your system uh, and it could be causing cancer. And there are, there are conversations and records of them internally saying, okay, stop all science like studies. We, we don't want to research this anymore unless we are mandated to by somebody else. So like, let's just not look at this. Let's cover it. Like, and, and so they, they actively covered it up. They fought people. And only during the course of the discovery and the trial did it come out that it was actually carcinogenic. And not just wow. that, but they've known about it. And the same thing with Teflon. Teflon is also uh, in that same exact vein. And, and for those that are, that are kind of curious, this is, this is like very pivotal to me. And I think it's a, it's a good illustration. I think helps a lot of people understand it. Go watch the movie Dark Water. Um, I think it's Dark Water, Dark Waters. Um, and uh, it's basically the story about Teflon and, and how the manufacturers of Teflon um, produced a product and then were dumping the waste knowing that it was carcinogenic and just like terrible, terrible stuff. And um, not just that, but there was the, this farmer who um, his cows were becoming just like ridden with cancer. They're dying. They're going insane. And he is looking at the water coming down from this dump site and he's like, Oh, they bought the property. They built this this dump site. They're dumping something in there that's killing my kid or my cows. Um, and then he goes to confront them, and it's this massive year years of of battling. Turns out they knew that this product was bad. And they were dumping anyway. Uh, watch that movie. But that that's a catalyst for me because I think this goes back to the not skepticism, but expert versus layman like. Right. Um, problem. And then what ends up often happening is somebody who is an expert in one area comes into contact with something that is abnormal. And so that is the gateway into them researching that thing. So for this farmer, he knows his cows on an intimate level. He knows right. their names by their patterns, uh, but you know how to know if they're sick, how to call them in, who's missing. Like it's a very intimate, he's an expert in cows. So when all of a sudden his realm of like expertise this should not happen this is something is amiss here well then he begins this process of investigating even though he has no chemical knowledge he's not you know he couldn't tell you half one or two of the chemicals on the periodic table right but he knows because you don't need to know the chemical breakdown and, and um i think the dilemma that we 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 find ourselves in is that we look at knowledge and expertise as this linear process where if you are a computer engineer or a designer or a doctor or a nurse or a mechanic or what, whatever, that you start at A, you learn A, you learn B, you learn C, all the way up to Z, right? It's this like incremental thing. So it's insulting when somebody comes to you and goes, hey, I know about Z. And you're like, how could you know about Z? You don't know diddly squat. Like right. you, I've been doing this for decades. How dare you insult me? Because I know more than you. Well, it's not a moreness. It's 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 not like you can pick up and learn about one area, and to, and and not get to that yet, or not touch it, or only have a cursory knowledge. Uh, so, 
So people get very offended. And that's, I understand because you put a lot of time, everyone does, into their area of expertise. So for me to go to, you know, a farmer be like, hey, like maybe you shouldn't use Roundup on your, right. you know, products because I've been looking into Roundup and, and, and you know, it's carcinogenic and it's, it gets into the water table and it's, you know, it's water soluble, which is insane. So it's everywhere. And, you know, it's going to, you know, have lasting effects for everyone. Would you consider changing, you know, your pesticide? They'd be like, uh, get out of here. Do you know anything about farming? Right. Like, uh, I'm not saying I know A to Z on farming. I just but know, I know about that Roundup. glyphosate yeah. and like Roundup is not good. Uh, and so that shouldn't, no one should be offended by that. Uh, and that should be like this conversation to start, right? Like, right. Let's look into it. <laughs> we are, we are, a, it, it's being defensive is so natural, unfortunately. Yes. There yeah. is kind of this like, wait, I, I know what's going on here. Like you, mm. you, uh, yeah. Now what is tricky is often the personality that I think is, is like, well, the the, the type eight <laughs> type thing, the the person who might be like most likely to bring a challenge or or show some things off, often does it in a way that can, uh, cause someone to be defensive, mm-hmm. right? And and like it, it is. Are you familiar with the phrase "every gift casts a shadow"? No. That's, so no. it's the idea that kind of like you might have a strength, but often that strength mm-hmm. has a, mm-hmm. a, a related weakness. Totally. And I would say one of the, you know, one of the the shadows of the person who who might be a, would you call it a watchdog kind of personality yeah. is they, they often uh, can be abrasive, which yeah. is not like actually helpful to moving the ball forward, which is why we need, we need a complement of, of wirings and, and gift sets but uh and all and i get it like it doesn't it, there's also there is a whole systematic decision making that goes into it and so it's not as simple as just get rid of roundup and glyphosate i recognize that i don't know what the solution is i just know that having this in our environment is not good right. and but they have there's a whole group of people that are trying to produce more food on more you know land to feed more people and maximize, you know, all these things. So it's, it's a massive thing. Um, so I don't know how to engage with that other than be like, get the glyphosate out. Like I, I don't right. want it in my food. I, I'm trying to buy food that doesn't have it and it's GMO free and pesticide free. And like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, but I don't, I want, I care about the other people and it's killing people. Like how, right. I, I don't know how to be gentle about that. <laughs> like, uh, you so know, I, I, uh, I've seen like, you know, uh, cartoons or, or, you know, just yeah. running jokes about, you know, doctors, you know, uh, some patient shows up and they're like, oh, wait, let me guess. You've been using Google. You know what I mean? Like kind of, uh, yeah. and it, it's somewhat derogatory. And I, I do understand, like, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's got expertise, they know A through Z and somebody shows in his bit, shows up and is like, hey, I looked into Z. It's kind of yeah. like, uh, but it, it, it is... And part of why it's uh, is uh, defensiveness and maybe a, a, a bit of a, a, an arrogance, but part of it is also it's just like ig- exhausting and maybe even impossible to always question everything. Totally, but it's yeah. good to question things, and yeah. and then you get back into that tension of, you know, so so say as a I'm a pastor, and mm. I would say. Yeah, there there are some of those you know questions like uh, perennially you know every year somebody's coming and asking like what does the bible really say about the the ministry of the holy spirit in this age and mm-hmm. it's, it's something i've looked into like a hundred times at least um or or somebody asks a question about soteriology you know the classic like uh calvinist arminian discussion and uh, we, we have a, a very a great and diverse body, and there are members of the church who are Calvinists and Arminians. I, I love it because I'm like, hey, we're all like worshiping Jesus and preaching the gospel. But that that perennially comes up, and there are, I would say at this point, I've, I've had those discussions and I've thought about it so much. I don't generally, I'm like, huh, I don't know. Like, I wonder. Like, generally, I'm like, hey, you're, like I've I figured some stuff out. Uh, but I do purposefully sometimes say like 
let me like rethink this. Like, uh-huh. hey, you know what? Maybe I, I've I've rethought this a couple of times in the past decade, but maybe it's time to rethink this again. Like somebody brought a concern, or they're they're wondering. Uh, you know, I remember several years ago, I just I I I kind of had a very solid and and firm position on God's design for gender and marriage and things like that. But there were some questions and I was like, you know what? Let me rethink this. Let, let me, see. what does the Bible really say? Maybe I've missed it. And, and it's appropriate to rethink, but you can't rethink all of your theology every day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that is like a tough, yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you find stability? So you obviously, you, you tend to be like, hey, let's let's think about things. Let's do some research. Um, how have you found in your life for the past few years the the balance or, uh, uh, in that tension of, I need to live life. I need to make decisions. I can't like constantly be doubting everything. But I also want to be open to learning and reconsidering. Oh, not well, no, (laughs) or or seasonally, I go, it it depends, right? Right. Um, I guess it depends on how existential the threat seems to be at that, at that moment. Um, or, or how much your voice can do in the community and, and, and cause sway and like, you know, so we're going through the election. Of course, I'm going to be more vocal because this isn't, this isn't just my decision. I'm trying to help inform other people around decision-making processes because I need them to understand what I, the, my values and I need to understand their values. And so by nature, election years always, I think, um, push us to the limit. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's okay. It's a season you're, we're like going to get through this. Um, it would be un-American to avoid it and to just opt out of it. Uh, and again, let me, let me rephrase that because I don't want to go back to my other statement, I, like where I was just lambasting people for like, <laughs> well, you're not loving if you don't like, so right. I'll catch myself there. Like I struggle because it's such an important aspect. I think we, it is healthy and good for us to be engaged with it. If you can't do that uh, and that's going to like exhaust you, you have to check out of social media, like, oh, oh, do that. I'm not like, I'm, it's more of like an encouragement. Like I want us to do that and move forward because it's an important thing. So uh, try not to be, you know, condemning there. Uh, yep. But um yeah i mean at the end of the day the like the piece that like my wife colleen and i have is that we know how it ends we know how in in the end you know god's going to work back through all of these evil things and redeem them and restore them and um and all of the brokenness that the world and myself included are going to be just washed in grace and um and so like massive undeserved relief right um it's uh so i we just every once in a while when we get to that point we're like cursing in our living room right dropping some (laughs) f-bombs and that's the thing that's just like it's happened this year i've reached the point where sometimes i've just admitted that you just have to drop the f-bomb because you're so angry or so <laughs> frustrated or hurt, right? Like, okay. uh, and then we step back and we're like, okay, how does this end, right? And we're like, what, what is, what really matters? God's taking care of us, you know. If our health is 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 harmed, well, it's just this chapter, right? If right. our freedoms are removed, this has happened through history over and over again, and, and God's not done with us. And um, so, that, there's a sense of peace and like relinquishing the the burden of control and giving that back to god like okay this is in your hands like yeah just show me what to do in this moment and i will do my best to listen to that prompting and that voice and be active and um i'm not you and and i'm totally botching it too i'm i'm like messing things up and i'm just as deserving and needing of grace uh as the people that i'm pointing fingers at and being like you're corrupt and biased and like (laughs) uh yeah so am i <laughs> and so uh and that's where i like this sermon by greg boyd um but colleen and i regularly listen to it like every year we listen to it maybe twice it's like uh trouble in paradise is this sermon where he just talks about how easy it is for christians to fall into this position of like my god's bigger than yours and i'm gonna judge you for your little sins and like it's just worthless yeah. <laughs> it's so exhausting doesn't mean i don't champion and try to um, bring around change because I don't, I don't want to see people harmed. I don't want to see people hurt. I want to see them live the, 
the life that God is calling them to live and in, in a free space. And I'm going to fight and advocate for that as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but my hope isn't in our legal system. Our hope is my hope isn't in the people understanding it. And when I get to a point where I feel overwhelmed by that, then we kind of like do a course correct. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's stepping away. Sometimes it's, um, you know, but it's, yeah, it's exhausting. Um, Hey, I don't know what your timetable is like. Do you have a few minutes to talk about that sermon or do you got to run? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I've, I've listened to the sermon twice, I believe. And I, I've been familiar with Boyd for years. Um, I like his, his openness to out of the box thinking. I think mm. it does at times land him in some really bad thinking, <laughs> but also yeah. I, 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 I enjoy thinking about lots of things and he mm-hmm. certainly brings new perspectives, things I wouldn't usually think of. Um, Although I often find myself disagreeing, but that message is, it's great. It's challenging. Like it's really Mm. challenging. It's, it's a message about loving people. Like ultimately Mm -hmm. I I think it, it, and, and not taking that seat of just, you know, Jesus came into the world to save people, not condemn it. And, um, he, he does a great job of getting to motive. I I do feel like, hmm. I feel like the word judge is sometimes overly narrowly defined. Yes. Like yeah. there is a narrowness to the word judgmental in English, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the word judge at some level just means to like decide something. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, if, if you uh, decide to buy off brand instead of Oreos, like you made a judgment, like that is Correct. judging and, and judging yeah. is broader. Uh, Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he makes some sort of comment like when you love, you ascribe value and worth to something at cost to yourself. Mm-hmm. And he says, when you judge, oh, how does he phrase it? Do you recall? How does he define judging? It's, I think it's like elevating yourself and getting the reward from that self-elevation by taking it away from other people. So if if I can make point out your sins by nature that elevates my feeling better about it. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that's exactly how yes, you articulate that is, I forget this phrasing, but that is the idea. It, it's that there, there's almost like a pointing down at, which again is very judgmental. And I, I do feel like he defines, I'm glad he defines it, but I, yes. when I use the word judge, I use it a little bit more broad, broadly. And I think there is a way to actually judge. And by judge, I mean like recognize what someone is doing is harmful and not in alignment with God's best for them. And there's a way to do that that is motivated by love for them. And it's almost like um, when we see sin, it should like break our hearts. uh, Totally. Rather than that there is a judgmental, self-righteous, better than... Mm -hmm. I think that the picture, Jesus and... Matthew 7 talks about the speck and the plank or, yeah. or log, right? And and part of what that is, is sin should deeply trouble us. Um, but when we are troubled by sin in a humble way, our own, we are most troubled by our own sin. Yep. And, you know, I, I recall maybe a year ago, there was someone who uh, was very troubled by someone else's sin. And, mm. and the, the sin was troubling, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I was able to have a conversation with that third party person that the, who, who was troubled by the sin and be like, Hey, what you're seeing here is it really is troubling, but like, let's talk about your heart for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you seem like over the top troubled by this, but are you mm-hmm. over the top troubled by your own brokenness and sin? Cause I'm not seeing that. And, and it was like a really helpful conversation because it is getting at like motivation and I realize this is like a slight change of topic, but like, I, I, th- I think that is, it, it's significant A, like I think the concept Boyd shares is amazing, um, but I did want to like just suss at or get at the, the nuance that like, I think you can see other people's sin and be troubled by it, but it should trouble you in yeah. like a, I don't know, does that make sense? What do you think? It does. I, I think uh, the... When there, as you said, multiple ways of using judgment, and when I when I think about that level of judgment that he's referring to, is this uh, the sum up the summization of a person? I'm going to sum you up mm. as being less than me. My my verdict, 
I've reached the verdict on you as an entirety, or you, you are, you're dumb, you're hateful, you're racist, um, you're unloving. Like we come to these massive conclusions. And I think there is absolutely, we can't even do that with ourselves. Like, I, I think um, that's when we start getting into dangerous territory. It's one thing to say, here is what, I, you know, looking at scripture or looking at finances or looking at any of these things and making a judgment call as to um, there are ramifications that come out of that. And it could be financial, you know, disaster. It could be sin disaster based off of what I'm looking at scripture. But we, we operate with such fractional aspects of everyone's story that we create these massive narratives in our mind. Uh, and we, we can easily jump to conclusions um, and jump to judgments, even like lowercase judgments, right? right. Uh, lower, lower G judgments, um, where we're looking at it like, that looks a lot like sin. Um, and there was a really painful journey that we went through where we had somebody in our lives and, and we, like we're trying to take care of them the best that we could be called to do. And uh, Colleen and I both go back to scripture. We were praying about it. We're discussing it. We're like, is this right? Is it, are we doing the right thing? Are we handling this? We're trying to research. We're, we're loving this person the way that we felt called to with Christ uh, guiding that. And it was different than how somebody else was. And there was this separation that ended up occurring in the relationship and there wasn't any dialogue. And so stories were being made on both sides. When you're absent mm. of relationship, we create these narratives. We see point A and you know point B, and we go, ah, it must have been a straight line from A to B. Look at those sinners sinning. And right. the reality is it's there's like massive, like <laughs> there's so much more that goes into it. It's so easy for us to jump in and judge, even though you're like, yes, I don't understand how that could be anything other than sin. But it does take a lot to just kind of, I think, uncover some of those things. And it's like, at the end of the day, yeah, it still could be sin. But if that's what you're focused on and you don't have a relationship with that person, it gets, it gets even worse. Uh, and so we have, I think, the lesson out of that is like try to rework the stories we're, waking, we're making up in our mind and bring them up early and often with mm -hmm. people that we're in a relationship with. Um, because the longer those stories permeate, the more evidence you find for them. And then they kind of become true, even though they're not accurate. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't, uh, so I, I, yeah, I was gonna say, you know, on, on your, that very last point there, it is not surprising to me just because I know the way the enemy works and the way, you know, he's going to whisper lies and our insecurities, we run with things like it on the one hand, it's not surprising at all that, that things like that happen. And yeah, we got to work hard to connect with people and to, to pursue true understanding and to be gracious and compassionate. But so it's not surprising, but on the other hand, I am perpetually surprised by how quickly uh, people that I, you know, I'm the kind of person that like, if I'm friends with somebody, I cannot talk to them for like three years. And the next time I see them, I feel like, dude, we're like, right. Uh, even if we disagree on everything, like, yeah, we're, we're like, we're, we're people like we're, we're, we're on the same team. Like we're, we're friends. And it, it always surprises me when, you know, this past year, Someone made a comment to me, basically reducing me to my social media presence, which mm -hmm. is relatively minimal and to the extent that it exists. It's like, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a way that we use social media, right? And that's right. like a very small bit of me. <laughs> and yeah. I assume yeah. that about people. Like, you, you know, you, when I see like your tweets or something, I don't yeah, think don't like this Twitter. sums up Ethan. I'm like, no, this, <laughs> he's just like, hey, this is interesting. This is something to think right. about. Or, like, what about this? Yep. You know, making some comments. But like to think that is who you are is just so pathetically wrong. But I see perennially yeah. people like defining somebody by social media or you haven't talked to, to each other in a few years and there's kind of like a, do I know you? I'm like, yeah, you know me. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like I'm like a different human being. Like, uh, I, I don't know. It's so, so I'm not surprised at all, but I'm also repeatedly shocked. <laughs> and it only, it's only getting worse, I think, because 
right now we literally went through a year, especially here in New York, where we are isolated from each other even more mm. and we are seeing each other on social media and that is becoming the driving force as to the stories that we create for one another. Uh, and it's, that's so harmful and so dangerous, uh, that we need to be super cognizant of that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel that too. I don't, I don't know if it's me just becoming old being like, the world's going to pot <laughs> or, exactly. or is it, you know, new technology and society has to change. I mean, I imagine mm -hmm. at some point when the printing press was you invented that they're just like, this is going to end everything and people can print whatever <laughs> they want. And I'm judging this person based on their book. And they're like, well, dost thou seen them since, you know, their book? Be right. <laughs> like, you know, uh, yes. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, these people are people, right? The more you learn about history, the more you realize, man, people have been, uh, we've been, uh, sinners for eons and yeah, and there's these, these problems and these <laughs> breakdowns in communication and yeah. the, the insecurity and the arrogance and the uh, judgmental attitudes and um it, it, on the one hand it's it's depressing when you as you become more aware of history but it's also heartening to realize you know maybe things aren't the worst ever right now because <laughs> it, it can we can have that myopic view actually multiple times this year you know i've, I've been in that conversation with somebody they're like you know like is this the end? Like, it just seems terrible. And I'm like, well, it could be the end, but it's not the end because it's the worst ever. Like in the past century, there have been many years that were much worse, <laughs> yeah, many years. Yeah. And it's very myopic. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. If you're my age, this is kind of the worst year ever. Our age, right. we're the same age, but uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess I it, intellectually, I'd always known that we, I feel like we haven't changed since the dawn of time right. in my mind, like theologically, I knew that, but this year I think has really awoken that in my heart and I'm not exempt from that change either. Right. Mm. And to, to be conspiratorial, right. Like I looked back on Nazi Germany and I was like, how could they do that to a group of people? those monsters were so much better now. And I'm like, Oh, we're literally just grouping people into people, you know, that are, you know, bad and, and not good and we're just we're gonna round people up and throw them in camps yeah probably. it's actually pretty easy to see it it's like oh that's how. yeah oh okay oh yeah all right uh sure and, <laughs> and you know what, what is amazing is uh again i mentioned that like razor's edge almost i feel like liberty is always on the precipice of falling into despotism it mm -hmm. and, and it's not like you can really like run 10 miles from the ledge it, it, right. you kind of necessarily are like on that edge because the other edge is like total chaos and like anarchy yeah. and, and it's it's uh there's a reason that in human history a sustained healthy democratic process is rare it's mostly authoritarianism with bouts of utter chaos like a couple decades of french revolutions um natural through history and i think we probably get to a point we're experiencing now which is we just want a king like just <laughs> we want an answer to things and king is, cuomo like, yes king cuomo or like you know or king fauci like just or king tell us trump. how it is or king <laughs> yeah. trump yeah uh you know but that's you look back at the like the you know the jews coming out of exile and they're like they have a king. Let's let's get it. That's going to solve so much stuff. I'm like, you right. literally just had Aaron. You guys like built a golden calf. Yeah. And you didn't learn your lesson that, you know, yeah, sometimes the authority can kind of lead us astray. Like, they, like and now you want a king. Like, okay. Like, yeah. cool. Or the, uh, yeah. All right. We don't want to have to argue anymore. Could somebody just settle this entire thing for us so we could move out of this uncomfortable state into another one. <laughs> and that is where, although I, I definitely appreciate that we can't always question everything. I think it is, it's healthy and it's been a, a part of what's been special about America is to have a people that are um, generally have been provoked to doing research and thinking mm -hmm. for themselves at some level. And, and again, I, I certainly recognize that there is a place for, 
you can't question everything always. And, and I'm not opposed to being like, hey, this person seems like they know what they're talking about. I'm going to take their word for it. Like, There's a place for that. And it's a tricky tension. But I, I yeah. definitely want to, I think we need to push towards encouraging a thinking people because our tendency is to just say, king, take over. You're the yeah. king I like. And really, even in the past 25 years, the executive power expanded under George W. Bush. It extend, expanded more under Obama, and it expanded more under Trump. And, and it's it's not generally a question of liberty or authoritarianism. It's flavors of authoritarianism. That is, and that's Absolutely. that's troubling. Yep. That's troubling to me in American politics right now. Absolutely, but, yeah. And that's where I, I would want. I, I long for a place where I'm around people who at least give me the benefit of the doubt that I'm doing what I think is the most like caring thing to like, and I, I put thought into it and doing that. And that's extended both ways. And we kind of like, even if we come to fundamentally disagreements, it's okay. You do yours and I'm doing mine. We're, we're trying not to harm each other. And sometimes we have to call right. in an arbiter for that, but that should be the, like the last case. Sorry. Right. I was calling in somebody to like to finish out that argument it's like if you have an issue with your brother like bring it up with your brother like we've gotten it's literally the opposite of that right yeah. now and so i hope that the pendulum swings back to that to some degree not all the way to like anarchy right right but hopefully back to some degree of self-governance that's like hey i can tolerate you which is i vehemently disagree with you but i respect your ability to make your own decision on that because i don't know your life i don't know your health i don't know your budget i don't know your your faith your religion like any of these mm. things i lack so much context that I'm going to trust that you're doing the right thing. And if you ever want to talk about it, I'll talk about it and we can explore it together. But, uh. So one final topic, and then, then we should wrap up. Sure. What you just mentioned though, there is, I, I've seen this uh, tendency within the American political process. Every election is the most important election, <laughs> but not just every election is the most important election many political issues become like morally good or evil. And it's, mm -hmm. it, th there's this sense of uh, what you just talked about was two people who have some disagreements, but can still walk together. And it seems that more and more we are saying, Oh no, we disagree on this thing. We can't like, you're evil. You're bad. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, you're not like, you know, pro green new deal. What do you want to like kill the world or you're not. Uh, uh, and th what's tricky for me is when people are like, man, we're bringing all this like moralizing into politics. I, I agree with that concern, but then I'm like, but some issues are, I mean, like for me, I'm, I recognize that the, the dignity and value of human life and God's design for people. And uh, uh, like, Anything that wouldn't respect the value of life is abhorrent to me. And, and so the, the abortion issue and the fact that right now abortion on demand is legal in all 50 states, and there's even some, I realized Title 10 was cut, but actually a funding to Planned Parenthood has increased in the past four years just because of other spending increases, uh, most likely under President Biden. The Mexico City policy will be reversed and U.S. foreign aid, of which there are billions, including in that stimulus package that just got passed, uh, foreign aid will be used to fund abortions right. around the globe. And yeah, like that is uh, and, and so, so there's, again, that tension between like, I don't want to try to make every political disagreement like uh, some sort of deeply moral, like good and evil. But there are some that are like good and evil. And I'm like, how how do we? Ah, I feel caught up. Like, what, what do you think? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. And I, I think it's a, it's like a distraction to say that laws are moral. Every, every law is moral. Yeah. Uh, every, if you, if you peel back the layers enough, it, it ultimately comes down to what, what are people for? And, and then like you start with that and then you right. build on these, these layers and then you end up with these like really crazy disagreements because you have no idea how the other party got to that, that mm. perspective. Uh, and, and then you end up with just cheap logic, which is, well, here's the solution. It's this. And you're like, no, that's, that's definitely not the solution. And then it both from both parties, right? Like, uh, 
And I, I think in many ways, the media, we have gotten to a point where they're just rubbish. They are mm. the mainstream media. They, they lost it. That ship has sailed a long time ago for both sides. The, you know, the questions that get asked or don't get asked are so apparent that anyone looking at the media, and this is what happens with people come in from other countries like China, right? They come over and they're like, you guys still watch the news? Like, <laughs> why would you do that? We right. know better than that. Like America is the only group where we sit in front of the TV and we watch news for like really long periods of time. Uh, and, and again, everyone, you know, wants to try to figure out what their source of information is. But um, we, we get, um, we have this just news network that is going to feed you, inject you with whatever fear and simplified, simplified answer is going to like inject that rage or inject that inspire you. You're like, yes, yes, more money to open up and like do this thing. It's like, okay, it's so oversimplification, but you know, your natural desires are just like, yes, that's the answer. Like, but there's no conversation. We haven't had a conversation as a nation from any political parties since ever. <laughs> like, well, how did any of the policies for anything come out in an open way? They're like, hey, so we're considering locking down this country. Here's how we made this cost analysis benefit. And we invited both sides to the table to have this open conversation and dialogue about how we made this decision. It was like, no, right. this is the best answer. Answer, You're going to do it. And then all of a sudden, anyone who speaks out against that hates people and wants a haircut. And now we're at a point where we're like, businesses are dying. And we're like, we know, we told you at the beginning that this is like unsustainable. And you're yeah. looking at, you look at it, like we had two heads, like, but we, we care, we care about that. And we're not saying that we don't want anyone to die needlessly. Um, but it's, it's such a complex thing. We have to talk. We have to be in a, sp a space where we invite people with disagreements and have these conversations and in, in a place of like trust and respect, like I, I'm trying to understand. And maybe it's a curiosity. Like, I'm just genuinely curious about how people arrived at those their conclusions. And so I want to talk about it. And people don't like that. People don't like having conversations. And I don't know if that's because they think I'm trying to start things up or I just generally try to understand because I understand I only can understand my side of things based off of my experiences. And I'm very limited. Mm. Um, but I also know that there's some valuable things that I've discovered that I want to protect. And so how do I protect the things that are true and bring those to the table and represent them, but then also try to understand what are the yep. gems that you have that we can, I can, you know. Um, hmm. Yeah, there is a, a dearth of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think let's be curious. Let's, let's like be curious and, and interested in understanding people. Like, because I, I, part of what I'm thinking right now is like, what? Do, how do you move forward in in the midst of all this? And I think that curiosity you have that you're just discussing, like anybody listening to this, like let's try to be more curious and understand people. Um, yeah, yeah, and like hit me up, invite me. This is the other thing too. Like I'm, I'm open. Like we right. want to have a conversation. Like let's get different, diverse perspectives in. We shouldn't be afraid of doing that, um, and we should be willing to open things up and and have those conversations. So if there's somebody who's listening that's like, I vehemently disagree with you guys. I mean, they probably won't at this point since it's like the end of the episode. <laughs> right, if, you if you're far, still here. <laughs> you're, you're like on board. Uh, and so, yeah, like that's what I think maybe we should do. Maybe, and maybe we're the catalyst for like trying to get some of the other people in the, into that conversation that are a bit different because of, you and I are very similar. Um, yeah. So um, I think that would help for sure. Boom. Do you know what I might do? I might drop this at the beginning of the podcast. Well, oh, there hey, you go. Dude, thanks for coming on and, and joining. This is super fun discussion. I think it's really important to have discussions these days. And yeah. I, I love talking to you. Thank you very much. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been good. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You Give your well. best to Colleen and the kids. Have a wonderful cool day. Too. And God bless. <laughs>